Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is that every believer would not just attend church, but also hear from God daily through His Word. As we read the Bible, we begin to see how God responds to things. Doing daily devotions repatterns the way we think, transforms the spirit of our mind, and helps us become more like Jesus. Join us here, Monday through Friday, as various pastors and leaders at Fusion Church share devotion and teaching through that day's soap scripture. Download the current soap reading plan at fusionchurch.cc soap. Let's get into this word. Before we do, let's pray. Uh, we'll read the scripture, um, and then we will pray again and get on out of here and about our days. Amen. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this opportunity that we get to reflect on your word. God, we just thank you that you have provided your word for us to lead us, guide us, strengthen us, encourage us, even transform us and correct us, God. And so this morning as we read your word and we focus and emphasize Holy Week, God, and the uh, the week leading up to your sacrifice, Lord, teach us how we can be more like you, how we can walk like you, uh, but also uh, let us see uh, the, the reason for our worship and our praise, God. God, you deserve all the glory, all the honor for what you've done on the cross. And so, Lord, we are committing this week to do that, to give you all the glory, all the honor, all the praise, and all the worship that you deserve. And we pray all these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. John chapter 13. John chapter 13. All right. We're going to read the whole chapter. I'm going to really hone in on verses 1 through 16. I feel like the Lord um, has really uh, given me a word and just challenging me on what we could apply in, within those verses. But we'll read the whole thing and cover as much as we can, focusing on 1 through six, uh, 17. All right, John chapter 13, verse 1, and I'm reading in the NIV version. It was just before Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power that he had come from the from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. Verse 6, he came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. Verse 8, no, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Verse 9, then the Lord, then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew 
who was going to betray him. And that was why he said not everyone was clean. Verse 12, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your teacher, your Lord, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than one who sent him. Verse 17, now that, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. I am not referring to all of you. I know those I have chosen, but this is to fulfill this passage of scripture. He who shared my bread has turned against me. I am telling you now before it happens so that when it does happen, you will believe what I am, what I, that I am who I am. Very truly, I tell you, whoever accepts anyone I send accepts me, and whoever accepts me accepts the one who sent me. Verse 21, after he had said this, Jesus was troubled in spirit and testified, very truly, I tell you, one of you is going to betray me. His disciples stared at one another at a loss to know which of them he meant. One of them, the disciple whom Jesus loved, was reclining next to him. Simon Peter motioned to this disciple and said, ask him which one he means. Verse 25, leaning back against Jesus, he asked him, Lord, who is it? Verse 26, Jesus answered, it is the one to whom I will give the piece of bread when I have dipped it in the dish. Then dipping the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, as soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered him. So Jesus told him, what you are about to do, do quickly. But no one at the meal understood why Jesus said this to him. Since Judas had charge of, of the money, some thought Jesus was telling him to buy what was needed for the festival or to give something to the poor. As soon as Judas had taken the bread, he went out and it was night. Verse 31. When he was gone, Jesus said, now the son of man is glorified and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will glorify the son in himself and will glorify him at once. Verse 33, my children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me. And just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now where I am going, you cannot come. A new command I give to you. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Verse 36, Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus replied, where I am going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Then Jesus answered, Will you really lay down your life for me? Very truly, I tell you, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. Woo. All right. I want to see it in the chat. What stuck out to you the most? What stuck out to you the most? Put it in the chat. Put it in a verse. Let's see those. Let's see those. Verse 15. I see verse 8. 
No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. That's good. So I want to focus on verses 1 through 17. Verses 1 through 17. Uh, in the book of John, chapter 13, verse 1, uh, we know it's Holy Week, so it's the week leading up to Jesus's um, sacrifice on the cross. And in this chapter, it's really uh, the 24 hours leading up to the crucifixion of Jesus. And it says it was just before the Passover festival. The Passover festival or the Passover feast was a feast that was part of the Jewish custom um, where they would commemorate or remember uh, what God did and how God delivered them from slavery out of Egypt when he sent death to take the firstborn son of all those who did not have the blood of the Passover lamb on their doorposts. And when death would come and, and see the blood, it would pass over that house and um, those people were spared. The sons of that family or that household were spared. And it's very interesting that in this moment, Jesus and his disciples are celebrating the Passover and commemorating the Passover, not really truly realizing that they were about to experience the fulfillment of Passover, where Jesus was going to shed his blood as the Passover lamb so that death would pass us over and we could have life. But it says it was just before the Passover festival, Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. So in these next few verses, we're going to see a few things that Jesus knew. Number one, Jesus knew that the hour had come right? Which gives us a very interesting um, interesting uh, perspective of how Jesus knew and understood timing, the timing of God. The first time that we see this is when he said in the book of Matthew, uh, when his mother approached him to uh, provide wine at a wedding where they had just ran out of wine, and Jesus responded to his mother saying, woman, it is not my hour. My hour has not come yet, right? And so what that reveals to us is that Jesus was very in tune with the timing of God. And that's very interesting because I think a lot of us need to be better tuned or in tune with the timing of God. A lot of us fall out of timing because we uh, either are so focused on our own timing that we're so focused on things that we desire, our own plans, our own wills, our own agenda, and we lose focus of God's timing. And so we fall behind on what God wants to do. Or we try to get ahead of God's timing and we try to do things in our own time, through our own strength, through our own effort. And I think we really need to ask ourselves, how can we be more sensitive to God's time? How can we be more sensitive to the timing of God? What would our lives look like if we were more keen and in tune with the timing of God than we were with our own? What would our lives look like if we were more keen and in tune with the timing of God than we were with our own? Jesus understood the timing of God and he knew that his time on earth was coming to an end. 
but because he knew how much time he had here on earth, right? It says, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Having loved his disciples who were in this world, he loved them to the end. The end, not just meaning that he loved them until his last breath. It's very true. But he loved them to the fullest. He loved them completely. He loved them uh, to the fullest extent. And we see that as he carried out his mission to die for those of us who are called his own. And he thought about us to the very end. He loves so much that even while we were yet sinners, while we were enemies of God, he sacrificed his life for us. And he's about to demonstrate this very love in the next few verses. It says, the evening meal was in progress. So just to give you a little bit of context, the evening meal was a very important meal. It was so important that the custom of that time was to have a servant who would wash the feet of the guests who were coming into the home. So it's letting us know that the evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Verse 3, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. That's a whole lot of power. In fact, in the book of Luke, I'm sorry, in the book of Matthew, chapter 28, verse 18, Jesus communicated to his disciples, and he's given a great commission to them. He said, all power has been given to me in heaven and on earth. I love the fact that Jesus was so fully aware of God's timing, but he's also fully aware of the power that God had given him and put on the inside of him. Right. Like I love playing this game with with my kids. Sometimes they're really into uh, they're really into superheroes right now. And, you know, Captain America, Iron Man, Thor and all that stuff. And sometimes I'll ask them in the car. Hey. What power, if you could have one power, what would it be? And one of them would say, um, you know, I would have the, the power to disappear so I can sneak around and eat all the snacks that I want to eat, right? Or the other one would say, I'd love the power to just create money so I could be rich and have a butler. That would be my son, Micah. Don't tell him I told you that, but that would be my son, Micah. So I could be rich and, and have a butler, right? Um, I, what I love about that is that it demonstrates the human nature that we have that oftentimes Doug said I'm in on the snacks power <laughs> that's good I I love uh that because it demonstrates the condition of the, of the human heart right that most of the time it is often true that most of us seek to have power for our own selfish gain we seek to have power for what we can gain from it. We seek to have power for how it would benefit us. But what we see from Jesus is the total opposite, right? That he knew how much power he had in him. He knew that God had given him, God the Father had put all things under his power. And yet what is astonishing is that rather than Jesus using that power for his selfish gain, his own influence to for what or for what he could benefit from it, he actually displays 
what really should happen with the power that we receive, right? Jesus was fully aware of the power he had on the inside of him. However, the astonishing thing was not so much the power he had, but what he chose to do with that power. The astonishing thing is not so much the power that he had, but what he chose to do with that power, right? Unlike most of us who would seek to use that power for our benefit, Jesus chose to do the opposite. Jesus chose to live on mission. Jesus chose to use his power to serve others, not himself. Jesus chose to use his power to serve others and not himself. Jesus chose to get up from this table, wrap a towel around his waist, and wash the disgusting, third, dirty feet of his disciples. Rather than insisting on being served himself, right? Rather than raising himself, he reduced himself to the lowest form. You see, in the Jewish custom, the washing of the guest's feet was reserved for the lowest of the servants. The lowest of the servants. Now, to understand why Jesus did this, you need to look at it all in context. Luke's, Luke chapter 22 uh, gives us context for this. You can uh, to go ahead and read it later. But Luke in Luke chapter 22, the disciples, it says that the disciples begin to kind of debate among themselves who was going to be the greatest. And who was going to be seated at the right hand of Jesus, right? And so they began to have an argument of, no, I'm going to be great. No, 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 I'm going to be great. No, I'm sitting next to Jesus. No, I'm sitting next to Jesus. And they have this argument. And so Jesus's action was to teach them a lesson, right? So it says in verse six, it says he came. I'm sorry. So what, what it says is he got up from the meal, took off, in verse 4, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. So to teach them a lesson of what true power looks like, he decides to reduce himself, to lower himself to the lowest form so that his disciples would learn that um, that power, right, that power or greatness is not based on position or status. Power or greatness is not based on position or status, but on a posture of service and surrender. Greatness is not about a position or status, but a posture of service and surrender. And so he washes the feet. He does the thing that is reserved for the lowest of persons and demonstrates his greatness, uses his greatness, uses his power, uses his position, right? His authority to lower himself and serve others. As he's doing this, right, uh, Jesus then looks at, or Peter then looks at Jesus in verse six. And it says, when, when he came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Verse seven says, Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. 
I think that could be true for so many of us. Oftentimes, we don't understand why Jesus does the things he does. We don't understand why God does the things he does. But we know that what he does is, is, is perfect. What he does is good. And so we trust and believe what we do not understand because he will make clear what we do not understand at the right time, right? So he says, you don't realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. Verse eight, no, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet, right? In this moment, you got to understand, Peter understands that this is reserved for the lowest of lows. And so Peter being Peter opens up his mouth and he's like, no, God, I will never let you wash my feet. I'm not going to be like these other disciples and let you serve me like this. You deserve so much more. And whether that's a, a heart thing and, and Peter was genuine and, and didn't want to um, and, and didn't want to uh, have Jesus stoop down that low or whether it was a pride thing. And in comparison to the other disciples, Jesus was, or Peter was saying, no, 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 I, I'm, I'm not going to be like everybody else. I'm not going to let, let me wash your feet, Jesus. I should wash your feet. And Jesus responds to him in verse nine. It says, um, I'm sorry, in verse 10, Jesus answered. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. No, sorry. Verse eight. He said, no, Peter, no, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. And so Peter responds and said, then Lord, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Right? Like Peter's like, well, don't stop at my feet. If you're going to wash me, wash me completely. Come on. If we could all respond that way. God, Jesus, don't stop at my feet. Wash me from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. But I love Jesus' response. It's like, okay, Peter. In, in other words, Peter, Jesus looks at Peter and he says, Peter, come on. Let's, let's not take it too far, all right? Let's not take it too far, Peter. Slow your roll. Calm down. It's going to be all right. It says in verse 10, Jesus answered, those who have, who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. And you are clean though not every one of you, for he knew who was going to betray him. That was why he said not everyone was clean. In other words, Jesus looks at Peter and he says, listen, hey, we don't have to wash your whole body. Just let me wash your feet. It'll all make sense, right? So after Jesus washes their feet, he decides to teach them the reason for doing so. And in verse 12, it says, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. And now he asked them, do you understand what I have done for you? Do you understand what I have done for you? Verse 13, you call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Right? Remember, they're having an argument, a debate, a dispute about who's going to be the, the, the greatest. Who's going to sit at the right hand of Jesus? Who's going to have that position of authority, right? And Jesus wanted to make sure that his disciples understood that greatness is not found in position or status, but in a posture of service and surrender, right? And so he tells them, do you understand what I've done for you? You call me a teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. But then in verse 14, he says, now that, now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, 
you also should wash one another's feet. In other words, if you want to be great like me, lower your tone, lower yourself, right? If you want to be great like me, don't focus on exalting yourself, but in making yourself low. If you want to be like me, serve others as I have served you. If you want to be like me, love others the way that I have loved you. If you want to be like me, greatness and power is not found in what you can do or what you can't do. Greatness is not found in who you're with or who you're not with. Greatness is not found in uh, your own ability, your own greatness. Greatness is found in a posture of service and surrender. Service and surrender. The lower you are, the greater you will be. You know, it's a posture of humility and meekness. Greatness is found in a posture of humility and weakness. Right? You know, I love, I want to go back for a second. Because when he says, when it says, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come, this is verse 3, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. What it does is it shows us two things, right? Two things, that when a person knows who he is, when a person knows whose he is, and he's able to serve from that place, right? When you know who you are, the power that is on the inside of you, and that you are God, that you are God's child. I love that it says that he had come from God and was going to God. When you understand how brief your life is here on earth, when you understand that you are here for a moment and gone tomorrow, when you understand that the very reason for your existence is because God has allowed you to live. And so you are from God and at some point will return to God. Then that helps you to have a perspective that keeps you focused on a mission to serve others. That helps you focus on the perspective or have the perspective to keep you focused on serving others. You see, I love that Jesus was not the kind of leader that said, do as I say, not as I do. <laughs> Jesus was not the kind of leader who said, do as I say, not as I do. Jesus was 100% a do as I do leader, leading his disciples by example and asking his disciples to follow his, his example, serve one another, wash one another's feet, make yourself lower than everyone else. And that is how you become greater. Verse 16, he says, very truly, I tell you, no servant, no servant is greater than his master. No servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, verse 17, you will be blessed if you do them. You will be blessed if you do them. You want to live your most blessed life, serve others. And hear me, there are over, you heard Pastor Brendan mention it over and over this weekend in his message. There's over 17 opportunities, 17 environments for all of us to become less, 
to accomplish something great, to reach those who are far from Jesus. Metaphorically, we are washing the feet of those who are coming into our church to experience the love, mercy, grace, and kindness of God. Let's ask ourselves this weekend, how can we serve? Not how can we be served. Let us ask ourselves this weekend, how can we do something great? And the answer to that is to make yourself low and serve in places you would not ordinarily serve so that we could reach those who are far from Jesus. Why? Because the greatest blessing we can receive comes from serving others. The greatest blessing we can receive comes from serving others. Greatness is not about or not found in exalting ourselves, but lowering ourselves. Greatness is not found in raising ourselves, but in reducing ourselves to nothing in order that we may make God something. Greatness is not found in raising ourselves up, but reducing ourselves to nothing so that we can make something great out of the God that we are serving so that we can become more like Jesus. The more we serve, the more we are like him. The more we serve, the more we are like him. In verse 18 to uh, 28 to 30, I'm sorry, we see Jesus uh, is predicting and telling them. It's funny because he's having this interaction with them. And he basically told them who's going to be the one to betray them, right? Who's going to be the one to betray them? And he says, the person who I did, when I dip my bread and I give it to somebody, that's who the person, that's the person who's going to betray me. And the disciples see this. And like, I always wondered what it would be like to be in that moment, right? Like, how would I respond? Like, are we all going to jump this dude, Judas? Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going too hood on there. But, <laughs> but seriously thinking, how awkward must that ha- interaction have been right but jesus he tells judas go and do what you what you're going to do do it quickly right but then jews uh, jesus uh finalizes this interaction with his disciples verses 31 to 38 and he says when he had he when he was gone he being judas jesus said to said to his disciples now the son of man is glorified and god is glorified in him if God is glorified in him, God will glorify the son in himself and will glorify him at once. When you think about that statement, it says, now the son of man is glorified and God is glorified in him. It's interesting that what Jesus is saying is that the son of man is glorified in his sacrifice. That in his greatest turmoil, in his greatest suffering, He's being glorified, and in being glorified, God is glorifying himself, right? In being in suffering, God is glorified, Jesus is glorified, and he is glorified in himself, right? Verse 33, my children will be with you. My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot go. Verse 34, a new command I give to you. So he says, because I'm going to leave, because I'm going to die on the cross, because my time here on earth is ending, right? 
I'm giving you a new command. And he says, love one another as I have loved you. Loved one another, love one another as I have loved you. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. The greatest demonstration of love is to serve others. If we're going to see being a disciple of Jesus is so much more than lip service. It's actually service and action. The world will know that we are his disciples by the way that we love, the way that we serve. And so this weekend, come on, 17 environments where people can come to know Jesus. Let's ask ourselves this weekend, how can I make myself less? so that Jesus can become more? How can I make myself less so Jesus can, come, can become more? This weekend is all about becoming selfless, not selfish. It's not about how I can be served this Saturday, this Friday, Saturday, or Sunday morning. It's all about how we can serve others. Amen. Amen. Remember, greatness is not found in position or status, but in a posture of service and surrender. Greatness is not found in a position or status, but in a posture of service and surrender. Let me pray for you guys. And for let's pray for this weekend. Let's pray for this weekend. Let's pray that God will move. Let's pray that God will speak. Let's pray that God will have his way. And that he will touch lives. Father, we just thank you. God, we thank you for the example that you set before us. We thank you that you made yourself less so that the Father would become great. Lord, we pray right now at this weekend that you would help us, equip us, strengthen us to serve your people and to serve them well. God, we pray for every soul that is walking in through those doors this weekend. God, we pray that every person that walks into those doors will not leave the same way they came. But, Lord, that they would have a real, genuine, authentic, powerful encounter with you. God, that through everything we do, the way we open doors, the way we uh, usher people into your presence, the way that we play, the way we sing, the way we lead, uh, the way we smile, God, that everything we'll do, we do, Father God, will inspire and motivate people to come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ, because your word says that it is not your will for any to perish, but for all to come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. God, may you use us this weekend, use Fusion Church to, to ignite, to spark up a great revival in South Jersey. God, we pray for a greater harvest of souls this weekend. God, I pray that we would see salvations like never before, that we would be utterly blown away by what you do this weekend. God, we just pray for transformations, for healings, for deliverance, and freedom. God, may we make ourselves less so that we can emphasize the greatness of not who we are, but the greatness of who you are. And we thank you for the sacrifice that you made on the cross. And so, Lord, we just love you. We honor you. We pray that you would use us this week in our workplaces, in our homes, in our schools, in whatever environments we find ourselves in to be ambassadors for your kingdom and invite those into your presence. In Jesus' name I pray, 
Amen and amen. Amen. Let's focus on serving this weekend and uh, become less so he can become more.